Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, and uh, we're here for, um, it's not a, a fun-filled day, I can't say that, because uh, it's not a fun-filled day uh, for our show. Um, today's episode is is definitely more on the somber side um, of, of news. Uh, Going to be discussing the the tragic shooting that took place there in uh, in Parkland, Florida. Um, but I am joined today uh, by another great guest. Uh, he was on a couple weeks ago. We discussed climate change, and uh, you know you know him as Paul Riley. And Paul, I, I gotta say, you are you're probably my uh, my most cordial go to. I'd say moderate to uh, to liberal friend. So, Paul, thanks for uh, for joining us back on the show today, bud. My my pleasure. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, grateful to be here. And and yeah, I think you, like you said, definitely a uh, a difficult week. Um, but looking to yeah, keep that cordiality uh, uh, going. Cause, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and, and uh, I I said to Paul because so it. It's oh you know what here I'll do my intro first because I mean we're gonna get into this and we'll we'll kind of go through it but um uh, I'll do my intro and then we'll go into discussions here but uh, the Brian Nichols show if if you're new to the show if this is your first time joining us so who are we well I'm Brian Nichols I'm the uh, the host of the uh, the Brian Nichols show here on uh, the We Are Libertarians Network so who are we we are uh, a show yes we have a bias and it's because i have a bias and it's libertarianism um but that doesn't matter cuz as paul can attest this is a show for anyone and everyone across the political spectrum i don't care if you are a diehard communist socialist anarchist or if you are the most um you know libertarian um anarchist you know free market capitalists i don't care who you are or if you fall in between there i just want to show for every single person out there with the the three goals we have here and that is to educate enlighten and inform so um today uh, i i hope that all three of those will be covered um not only because uh you know you'll have paul from i'd say one camp and myself from the other uh but the goal as it was back in the climate change episode uh was to to find some common ground um but as always you can follow me on twitter and at facebook at b nichols liberty uh and p please feel free to subscribe to uh, our patreon and you can find that at b nichols liberty uh to help us keep producing the content that you all have so far seemingly enjoyed um i actually had i was doing my metrics the other day and i saw that i had two guests from sweden so that was that was cool. I'll take that as a, a badge of honor. Um, also, please feel free to share today's podcast with your family and friends to help promote the message of liberty. Um, and always, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. All right. Um, so with that, I wanted to um, reach out and introduce uh, our newest, uh, I guess not our newest, our most recent uh, guest here. Uh, you know him from last time, Paul Riley. Paul, I, I can't seem to find the info here. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, uh, Fancy New Riley, pretty much on all platforms. SoundCloud, you know, all of it. Twitter. Cool. <laughs> I love it. And, um, you know, let, let's, uh, I guess let's get this this show on the road, no pun intended. Uh, starting off with, obviously, the, the tragic news uh, that took place out of Parkland, Florida. Um, reading this from the New York Times, which has been updated. Uh, a heavily armed young man uh, barraged into his former high school about an hour northwest of Miami on Wednesday, opening fire on terrified students and teachers and leaving a death toll of 17 that, according to authorities, could rise even higher. Students huddled in horror in their classrooms, with some of them training, uh, 
training their cell phones on the carnage, capturing sprawled bodies, screams, and gunfire that began with a few shots and then continued with more and more. The dead included students and adults, uh, which we learned, I believe, was two uh, adults. This is my, my commentary here. I believe it was two adults uh, who were in the uh, physical education department, um, who some of whom were shot outside the school and others while inside the sprawling three-story building. Uh, the gunman, armed with a semi-automatic AR-15 rifle, was identified as, I'm not saying his name because I don't think he deserves any notoriety. So a 19-year-old uh, man who had been expelled by the school, authorities said he began his shooting rampage outside Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in the suburban neighborhood shortly before dismissal time around 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. He then made his way inside and proceeded down hallways he knew well, firing at students and teachers who were scurrying for cover, according to authorities. Quote, oh my god, oh my god, one student yelled and over and over in one video circulating on social media as more than 40 gunshots boomed in the background. By the end of the rampage, the shooter had killed 12 people inside the school and three outside it, including someone who was standing on a street corner. Broward, I'm sorry, I can't get that pronunciation right tonight. Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel said two more victims died of their injuries at local hospitals. The aftermath at the school was an eerie shrine with chairs upended and computer screens shattered with bullet holes and floors stained with blood. Um, according uh, on Thursday, the authorities did charge uh, the shooter with 17 counts of premeditated murder. Uh, the sh uh, sheriff Israel continues saying this is catastrophic. Who he himself has three children who graduate from high school. Quote: There are no really no words. The shooter uh, was arrested in Coral Springs, a neighboring city, a couple of miles from the school. About an hour after fleeing the scene, the authorities said he had slipped out of the building by mixing in with the crowds of students. Now, this is again uh, my commentary here. So, from what we we gathered um, in in the days, or I guess the day following, was that uh, he had pulled the fire alarm, and that's originally what started the the, the student you know trying to leave the building and then he started his, his shooting and then during more students evacuating he basically blended right in with the students walking out um in addition to the rifle um continuing forward sheriff israel said that a uh, shooter had quote-unquote countless magazines the gunman had clearly prepared for the attack senator bill nelson of florida said in an interview after speaking to the fbi uh and then we're gonna Hopefully get this uh, finished up here in the next three paragraphs or so. I uh, just I don't want to spend too much time on the, the, the gritty details because it does get a little darker. Um, but the shooter wore a gas mask, had uh, smoke grenades, and he set off the uh, fire alarm, as I had mentioned pre uh, previously. So the kids would come out of the classrooms, uh, said Mr. Nelson, citing details he learned from the FBI. Several students said they found it strange to hear the alarm because they had already had a fire drill earlier that day. Uh, Sheriff Israel said he did not know the gunman's motive. He said a football coach was among the dead and the son of a deputy sheriff among the injured. 12 of 17 dead had been identified by Wednesday night. He added, noting that not all the students had backpacks or walks on them. The shooter was enrolled at another uh, county school, officials said. Sheriff Israel said law enforcement officials had already discovered material on Mr. Cruz's social media accounts that were very, quote-unquote, disturbing. Um, now, this also kind of leads to uh, a really kind of weird uh, situation here. Back in September of 2017, uh, there's a vlogger um, who I, I cannot seem to remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but basically, he had this video posted, and, and out of nowhere, the, the shooter, and we're assuming it's the shooter, 
um, because in the YouTube comment, um, it was the shooter's name, no no misspellings, it was it was exactly as his name was, was seen, um, and it said, I'm going to be uh, one of the most uh, famous school shooters, or, or something along those lines, um, and then the vlogger saw this, and he's, he's like, well, this is, this is, you know, dark, this is dangerous, he reported it to the FBI with, uh, at tips at uh, fbi.gov, and he flagged it on YouTube, I guess the FBI interviewed uh, the vlogger, said, you know, do you know any th th who this guy is? He says, no, I have no idea. Um, literally, just a video I posted, and, and then I had this, this comment, um, and, and it seemingly ended at that, uh, which, you know, definitely shows that there might have been some uh, some dropped balls there in terms of the FBI not uh, really following through on this uh, this anonymous, or I guess this, this tip that they received um, that maybe could have prevented something like this happening. Um, but uh, in conclusion here of the article, uh, President Trump came out and say, uh, stated afterwards, quote, my prayers and condolences to the families of the victims of the terrible Florida shooting. No child, teacher, or anyone else should feel unsafe in an American school. And that is where the conversation picks up now. So in the hours after um, the shooting, um, you had people across all political persuasions on Twitter, um, on Facebook, you, you name the social media site, uh, basically just just spouting political talking points both in favor of gun control, uh, in favor of gun rights, in favor of the Second Amendment, in favor of uh, mental health background checks. Um, now, <clears throat> I'm not going to to stand here and say I didn't have my own two cents to say because I tweeted out last night, um, if you're already trying to push a gun control agenda just hours after a shooting, don't. Families are grieving, lives destroyed, save your political takes, please. And I got a lot of people um, with a lot of backlash from that comment um, saying, you know, when, when's the right time to, to start talking then? And I'm like, well, I think maybe at least a day later. Um, but, uh, but I, I mean, here we are. We're, we're just 24 hours now removed from this shooting. Um, you know, I, I think now might be an appropriate time to talk. I'm not one to shy away from talking about, uh, you know, these, these issues because I think it's a definitely they are important issues that we need to talk about. And if we don't talk about it, then we're just going to keep on having the same thing happen over and over and over again. Um, so I think it's important for us to kind of stake our positions here in terms of where where we're coming into this conversation so we can have a better reference point when we're done to see where we ended up. So with that being said, Paul, I want to, to shoot it over your way um, and to let you kind of, I guess, voice your, your views of this situation and I think the most important part of this conversation going forward to help us find, uh, you know, some endpoint is to say, what is the ideal uh, solution for, I guess, the United States to avoid this happening again? Uh, yeah, no, Brian, uh, thank you. Um... I read that same article, but it, it was helpful to recenter us. I think, I think the clearest common ground area um, that we have is, I, I, I think, I can assume that we are both in favor of, of reducing the number of people who are dying by guns every year. I think that probably the, where we disagree is is how to get there, right? I think that's what your your question is, but I think it's important. I have a, a good friend from um, back home in Delaware who made this point, right? Like we can we can agree on the end goal, and and be in you know 
in a, an alliance there, and then at some point it breaks down. So I'm, I'm looking forward to us not having to break down, right? If you're you're exactly right that we need to not stop talking about this. I think it is, you know, that you know, we don't have to get too much into the, the reaction, right? I think that social media is a good place for people to vent. Um, and I am less concerned about the timing of things, but I'm going to get to, the, I'm going to answer your question, Brian, don't worry, but I'm going to. No, no, um, no, no, this is, this is your, uh, yeah, this is your, your chance to, to kind of go through. I had a nice Bye. long, uh, little, I guess, soliloquy I started off with for 10 minutes. So by all means. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So I think, um, my own, my own thinking on this has evolved. And I think, you know, I, I do think it's fair for, um, us to be thoughtful in our, in our reactions, right. In the same way that after, um, you know, 9-11 or other uh, terrorist um, attacks and events, right? The, we should not immediately take action um, because I think that when you are not, when you are affected by something deeply and emotionally, I think like most Americans are with this, that you're probably not going to make the, a, a rational decision, right? It's the same reason why juries are with people who are not involved or connected to the, the parties and, um, you know, involved in the incidents um kind of where i you know fall down on this is I, I do think gun control um legislation is important it is definitely not the only factor right i think if you get up river of these issues you'll find that there's a lot more and i totally understand not interested being interested in, in giving this person's name and i'll i'll follow suit on that but i think if you're really interested, if we as a country are really interested in, in preventing these things, we have to understand why this happened. And it infuriates me. Well, actually, before I even say this, I want to take a step back again and say I've been lucky enough that I've not known anybody to die by gun violence. Um, and I'm very lucky and fortunate, privileged to, to be in that space. And so I want to recognize that before I talk anymore because people who have whether it's been in a mass shooting or or you know other gun violence it is they will have a different feeling on this and i think that until it hits home you know i think that's that's also a part of it but I'll also say that understanding where these people why this this happened this guy did what he did is important that he is more than just this action um no no excuses or acceptability at all for that um, so mental health is, is definitely an issue. And then I think also just another commonality of a lot of these shooters, uh, starting back with Columbine, it's guys, right? Males, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, like the two Columbine guys, uh, white males. And I think that um, that rage uh, of, that exists and um, is important to address as well and, and emotional literacy. So I definitely, it's three things that I would, want to see us really commit to and that is at the government level at these uh local level um and, and a community an individual level as well right this is this is not a something that we're going to pass one law and then we can clean our hands and, and walk on and feel good about it um but yeah that's my my long-winded it's definitely nuanced um but i i think her biggest disagreement as i mentioned earlier uh probably on that gun law legislation peace all right so before i dig into that so i guess i will take this chance now to uh 
to state my position. So I agree that I'll start off right now. I agree with two of your points. So I was writing them down as we were going through. It was gun control legislation. I don't agree with that, and we'll cover that. Mental illness and health. I agree with that 100%. Uh, and then you mentioned guys, and I actually I do agree with that. I think it might be for different reasons, um, but we'll get into that as well. So I want to start off saying I agree with two points: mental illness, guys being you know the the main perpetrators for this these crimes. Okay, let's start off there. We have two check marks we can agree. Um, the, the, the question I asked you originally, so I'm rephrasing the question for myself, is uh, looking at the situation, what is the best solution going forward? Um, I, I look at it, um, number one, yes, it is a mental health issue. Uh, we do have individuals who are, are utilizing weapons uh, to, to cause massive harm to other individuals. Um, there's there's something wrong, I think, uh, not only mentally in, in terms of mental illness or mental health per the individual. I think, in my perspective, it is partly due to a societal issue. Um, there's something with our society since, uh, I will say, the, the 1990s or late 1990s into the 2000s that changed. Um, I, I think I have an idea. I have a hypothesis of what it is, and I'll dig into that a little bit later. But I think that was a big moment when we noticed these types of shootings happening more frequently. Um, so that's number one. Number two, um, I I really do agree um, that we we have a problem with uh, people shooting each other. But I don't think it's a matter of the fact that there's too many guns. I think that the uh, issue. And this is the, the main uh, point of contention I, I have here is that it's not a matter of that there were too many guns um, or the type of guns, but rather it was the, the lack of guns. And, and pulling up a stat here from uh, the CPRC, uh, they did an, an, anal or an analysis of all public shootings um, since 1990. And that showed that uh, with... All public shootings, 98.4% of all shootings took place in so-called gun-free zones. Now, that's just the the statistic that we have. That is is a you know a, a true statistic. It, it's it's 98.4% of all shooting deaths happened in gun-free zones. I don't think that that's by accident. Um, I look at a situation like we had yesterday. Um, and, and to be quite honest, any location where we've had these mass shootings, it's been where you have a populace who has no means to defend themselves and therefore are essentially fish in a barrel for someone who is seeking to cause harm to cause harm. And I, I personally have the contention that it doesn't have to be a gun. It could be a bomb. It could be a knife. It could be a car. It could be, you name the, the object that is being used. Because at the end of the day, that's a what a gun is. It's an object that's being used to cause massive destruction. I personally believe that if we had a populace who was able to defend themselves, number one, they'd have a chance to actually defend themselves against someone who is doing this, this you know, act of, of, I would say, terror against these people. But number two... 
that having an armed populace in these gun-free zones, getting rid of gun-free zones, would then disincentivize someone um, from going out and, and basically targeting these areas because no longer are these people sitting ducks. Now, in terms of how I would try to avoid this from happening in the, f the future, I'm going to say probably the most unpopular thing on the planet right now because it's not the thing that people want to hear, and that is you cannot fix it. And, and that sounds dark, and I'm going to preface why is because the United States has, number one, the Second Amendment, which, like it or hate it, it is one of the founding aspects of the Bill of Rights for the United States. It has been interpreted throughout uh, the, the, the Congress, or, I'm sorry, throughout the, the Supreme Court, to state that uh, the individual has the right to bear arms. It's not just a well-regulated militia in terms of saying it meant to it meant armies. It, it that's that those these nuanced arguments they don't hold wind. And we saw with the uh, the Heller case that that stood true. Um, now, with that being said, as well, I think it's also important to acknowledge that in the United States, with the 300 million guns, let's just pretend in I think the 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 gun control uh, mindset of let's ban all guns. Even still, how are you going to to get all the guns back? And we, you know, I, I see people using examples of Australia's gun buyback, uh, which you know, let's be honest, Australia has a population that's you know not even it, it's it's just over the size of one state, it being New York State here in in the United States, um, where they had 24 million people, not nearly the number of guns. We have 300 million people and 300 million guns, um, so I think it's unrealistic. So if you were to ban guns and you were to let's say even do a buyback, you're still going to have people who will have access to guns in some way, shape, or form. Be it um, that they they maintain their guns illegally or they obtain new guns illegally. Um, I think the the end of the day, the premise I will approach this conversation is that bad people are going to do bad things. And that's just a sad reality of the world we live in. Um, and the best way to stop a bad person from doing a bad thing is going to be having a good person with the means to stop that bad person from performing a bad thing. So that I guess that's where I start my premise. And that's where I am you know, looking how we can try to find some common ground. Now, of the three things you listed, I, and I already stated, I agree with two of them. So I agree 100% that we do have the mental health and mental illness issues. I, I don't know what it has been, whether it is uh, a desensitized populace to, you know, the, these, these atrocities of people being shot and it's televised and people are seeing it. So it's not, it's not the shock value. So can you kind of dig into the mental illness and mental health aspect of, of your, your argument to kind of see I mean, maybe where we can find the, I guess, the, the right point to, to come to a consensus on to make sure it's 100% clear? Yeah, sure. I'm, you know, there's definitely some other points you brought up. Um, I guess we can table that for the, the gun control part of the, the conversation. Um, I think the the thing with mental health, right, is that pe it, when people bring up mental health as the thing, oh, it's, it's not about guns, right? It's about mental health. Um, there's no follow through from people. I think that the, the other two points I made about mental health and rage, white male rage, rage in general, emotional literacy, I think they're very closely related. Um, you, you, you said like the way to stop people dying by guns is to have a good guy with a gun. I, I think that's 
uh, I don't want to be. It's silly, I think, because why though? It, 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 it's it's starting. You're you're at the wrong end of the. If that's the best solution you have, I think. But um, that but that's my yeah. point. Is if what's the better solution? Because I haven't heard, and, and this is no no disrespect to you, Paul, but this yeah. has been what I've heard after every time we've had some shooting, whether it was Sandy Hook, whether it was um, the, the shooting in, in Las Vegas, whether it was yesterday. It's, we need to do something. And I'm saying, okay, what are we going to do? Like, what is the what is the position? What is the piece of legislation? What is the policy that you want to promote that is quote unquote doing something because it's one thing to just say, you know, just, just to make a political point and say, we need to do something. And then it's an entirely different thing to then have to stand up and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. And here's why it's going to work. So, I mean, that's my thing is, is I look at all these situations and they're all, I mean, 98.6% are happening in gun free zones. So the next logical progression to me would be to, Make those not gun-free zones, so then at the very least you have a populace there who can defend themselves. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a great point to bring up the CPRC, the Crime Prevention Resource Council, right? I think um, I've done not a lot of research, not done a lot of research on this, Brian, but know that John Lott, founder of CPRC, come under scrutiny and criticism for um, flawed studies. I think that... Um, so I would take that with a grain of salt to begin with. The, but say stats right, I think it's interesting. Ninety-eight point six being what normal body temperature. That's just interesting to me. Um, but why, you know, if if so, if there's this gun violence, um, run the stat by me again. Is it's ninety-eight point six percent of gun-free zones have gun violence, or ninety point? No, no. Of all the shootings that we've had mm -hmm. take place, mm -hmm. these these public shootings, not yep. not a shooting that's that's done in the house where it's it's a you know a suicide or an act of domestic violence. We're talking about yep. these these legitimate public shootings. Yep. 98.6 percent, and, and I'm gonna say that number might be high, but even still, I'm gonna say it's at least over 75 percent is that they are happening in gun-free zones. And we can just look at, um, you know, looking at it anecdotally from last or yesterday, looking at it from Sandy Hook, looking at looking at it from Las Vegas, you know, all these, these I mean, the, the Pulse uh, nightclub, all these various shootings that happened that were, you know, the big name shootings, all were these, um, these gun-free zones. So why not just give the people who are being targeted the chance to defend themselves? Well, yeah. I, I, first of all, I'm not saying that they can't defend themselves. What I'm saying is, um, I know you're not, but that's the problem. No, no, is that no, but, with gun-free zones, they can't. <laughs> well, I think you got to look at like who are the shooters, who are the people firing the guns. You know, I think of gun-free zones. My first thought is like urban areas, right? There's a lot of other reasons why someone is picking up the gun, and that is the thing to focus on. And, and I think that helps gets away from immediately trying to ban all guns, which I don't think is, is, is realistic or even the, the best solution. I think continual study, right. Of, uh, allowing, um, right. Is it the CDC, like other, uh, either at the government level or individual, um, organizations to continue studying gun violence, its causes and its, uh, its effects. Uh, I've seen other studies that found, um, or a summary of studies that saw 
across the globe that when you have comprehensive legislation, when you take guns away from people who commit, um, you take guns out of the hands of people who commit not only domestic violence, but also any kind of assault when you, um, third point, oh, I should have brought this up in the, the screen, Brian, but, um, and also about uh, people dealing with alcoholism or, uh, right, so there are, there are steps of legislation, but it has to be a comprehensive thing. I think to, to um, the, the, the good guy with a gun, bad, to stop a bad guy with a gun is, is again, just it's, it's the wrong end of the problem. It's, it's stopping that guy from what that guy, most cases, from picking up that gun to use it for harm in the first okay, place. But now, now yeah. this is where I got to challenge you on that, because here's the thing. I can 100% guarantee that if we got rid of gun-free zones, that pe there would be people there who would then be able to defend themselves and those around them. On the contrary, it's it's one thing to make an, uh, a stance saying that, well, we can go ahead and keep these people who shouldn't be having guns from having them. It's one thing to act the, the legislation, but then how are we going to enforce this? I mean... Number one, you have people who are obtaining guns legally per their, their rights, their Second Amendment rights, but let's just say that we can enact what you're, you're saying. There are people now who, sh who, by law, aren't allowed to have guns that still end up obtaining guns. I mean, this kid, so Florida law, you have to be 21 years old in order to get an AR-15. He was 18 years old, and he, or 19 years old, and he obtained an AR-15. That, to me, I mean, that, that right there, he had the gun, I guess it was illegally. Um, so... We have, I mean, you look at the shooters that either A, they got the gun through an, a legal means and there was no signs of mental health. I mean, the, the shooter in Las Vegas comes to mind as being a shooter who obtained all of his weapons legally. He had no, uh, no history of, of domestic violence. He had no history of substance abuse, no hi history of mental health issues. And, and he just went out and decided he was going to spray bullets down into a, a crowd uh, of people packed for a concert. I mean... How – let's just take what you just said. How would that have prevented Las Vegas? Well, I turn the point around again of like how would someone in that crowd with a gun have stopped that guy up in the window if they're not sure where the bullets are coming from? I think – Why does it have to be somebody um, in the crowd? Why could it be somebody in the hotel that they, they hear this these gunshots coming? And, I mean, we, we, we have reports of hotel – um, hotel employees who were like trying to see what was going on and were getting shot at in the hotel from him. I mean, what if we had people who were armed within the hotel who were guests that could have defended themselves or you know helped the hotel staff distract this guy from spraying bullets down on onto a, a, a helpless crowd? Yeah, wasn't there? I, I oh, then we're getting into. I, I can't remember if there was a security guard who was killed at some point. Uh, he was shot at. I think he he was injured, but he didn't end up getting killed. Yeah. But he wasn't able to stop it, right? So I, I think... But it's one guy. That's that's the point, is that why should we have to rely on you know law enforcement officers? Now, now just put in perspective, I'm from an area up in, in very, very rural New York. It can take 10, 15, 20 minutes for a, a law enforcement officer to even arrive at my home. So mm -hmm. why why are we taking away the, the right to self-preservation from someone to defend themselves and those around them by just saying, well, that's why you have police. 
Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And I think to compare rural New York or places in Mississippi where I have people I love who are gun rights advocates, right? To compare that to an urban area where the, the per capita, right, like the, the population is a lot denser is, is I think, um, it's not quite the same thing. And I, I, I think... Well, you're opening a whole I'm different can of worms there because now you're going to start having an issue of are we going to have gun laws based on the, the geography of where you are? Like, all of a sudden, your gun rights are, are worth more or less based on where you live? I mean, right now, we already have cities that have some of the strictest gun laws, like Chicago, for instance, has some of the strictest gun laws in the United States, and they have one of the, the highest rates of, of murder than any other state in the United States. Because they're surrounded by states where it's easy to get guns and people can make money off of by going to Indiana, getting a gun, illegally selling it to someone in Chicago. Okay, like, so they're illegally selling it. Same, okay, no, but you, you just said right the there. same situation in Massachusetts or other states that are surrounded by other states that also have stringent gun laws. So that's... Well, that's not true, though. That's point. not true. That's not true. Because we had Sandy Hook, which is in Connecticut, had one of the worst shootings in, in United States history with a bunch of kids getting killed with illegally mm -hmm. obtained weapons. We had Binghamton, New York, had a mass shooting. I think it was in 2009 with, with uh, you know, one of the higher uh, strict gun laws being, uh, you know, one, I think it's the 49th worst state in terms of gun rights. Um, I mean, I, I just I, I think that argument is... Is we? I mean, Las Vegas isn't exactly a pro-gun state. Las Vegas or uh, Nevada, rather, it's a very blue state. Um, California is right next door. Arizona's right next door. I mean, you have all these very blue states near it. I just, I think that's a, a weak argument. Well, no, it's no. I'm not saying that by having stringent gun laws, you're preventing again. Like, it's I, I think a three-prong approach. Your point with Chicago, highest murder rate in the country. But it has strong gun laws, right? Mm -hmm. I'm saying the reason why there are still guns on the streets of Chicago is because people are able to travel two, three hours away, buy some guns, come back, right? And so that contributes to it. Places like Binghamton or, or the Sandy Hook, right? That is not just about – it's not just about access to guns. It is – there are multiple things, right? Those those people who pick up guns, like in Columbine, right? Those those kids had. All right, again, I just want to reiterate, like I am lucky enough that I don't, I wasn't in these situations. People who have no, been affected by this are going to feel feel differently or, or stronger or be less inclined to give a <laughs> give a crap about these people and, and what's caused it. But those those are also areas that need support, right? And and when you think about domestic violence and and right there. are I assume, right, more people are dying by gunfire outside of mass shootings like Las Vegas, like what happened in Florida, these school shootings, um, and addressing those those problems as well. Um, I, I think I think I think this idea of of well, bad people are always gonna get guns and, and there's you know But you just so, you, I mean, Paul, you just admitted though, I mean Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the United States, yet it's illegal to have these these various guns, and yet it still happens. I mean, that, that right there is showing the point that even if there are laws in the books, people will still find a way to illegally obtain weapons if they have the goal to do so. I mean, that's that's and that's where I think the premise is breaking down a little bit for me, is that I, I understand what you're saying. In, in an ideal world, People shouldn't have the guns to kill each other. Okay, in an ideal world, people wouldn't kill each other. I agree 100%. The reality is, is that we are in a world 
not, not just the United States, but, you know, across the globe where, where there are guns everywhere. In the United States, we had 300 million at least guns in our populace. So I don't see how it's a rational or logical progression to say, well, if we are able to stop people who shouldn't have guns from having guns, that they won't have the guns. I just, I don't, it, it, when you just said yourself that like Chicago, for instance, they have the these strict gun laws where they, people aren't supposed to have guns, they still obtain them. So yes, you can say, well, we can limit the amount of guns that will be sold in these pro-gun states. Okay, let's go with that premise. So what about the already 300 million guns that are throughout the United States? What like what are we going to do with those? Do you really think that the government will be able to to either A, buy back or see I mean, B, go into people's homes and take these guns away? I mean, that'll start like a civil war. Yeah, no, because I'm not, I'm not saying that. The gun owners I know who are, are you know, sensible gun owners who have, you know, f 15 guns that, you know, passed down through family and all that, they're not they're not going to be shipping their guns up to Chicago to contribute to this, this gun violence. Most people are not interested in that. I think, this again, this idea of, well, people are still going to be able to get guns no matter what. Well, why do we have doctors, right? Like, if people are just going to die anyway, why are we trying to cure diseases? I think... I again, Brian. My point is not that there's this magic legislation that's going to solve it. Chicago's violence exists not because guns exist, but people are dying because of the bullets fired from those guns. But, but you look at their the the school system, it, it not being as functional as it needs to be, right? What are the opportunities? What is the, you know, if if it's a lot of uh, people of color are shooting those guns and dying from those guns, right? Why? What are the issues with racism and and the historic um, issues that the city has faced with those sorts of things? Right. This is not a. I, and I think you and I can agree on this. This is, is not a. This is not. The gun is a tool. Aren't from guns. The gun is a yeah, tool. Yeah, because the, the gun just pops up and someone's like, "Well, I'm going to start shooting people." Well, no one's born in that kind of vacuum or exists in that kind of um, space. There are a lot of reasons that these things ex exist. Okay, um, so with that being said, what yeah. is then what is the big push for gun control? I mean, if we can agree that mental illness is part of the problem, and then you, as you said, guys are part of the problem, which we're going to talk about in a second, then then why the discussion about getting rid of guns? If we can agree that that's not the like the gun is the tool, then why mm -hmm. why are we having a conversation about gun control? I think. You know, again, not having studied this, not having read all the studies that do exist, I think, one, continuing to do studies and figure out what could work, what doesn't work uh, with gun control is important. But two, it, if it's access to those web, right? If, if someone is, if any of those three areas break down that I was talking about, this, this sort of thing is more likely to happen. And it is, I think, cold comfort to the people who are shot, killed before the good guy with the gun shows up um, to know, well, at least the guy got stuck. You know, and, but, you know, on the other side of that, Brian, it is great. Like when someone with a gun is able to stop another person with a gun from, from shooting and harming more people, that is great. I am not saying that I don't want people to have guns legally, I think. You know, again, like I'm not an expert on these areas. I think that be interesting if people had to. No, you know what? I, 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 
I don't know where this guy in Florida got the gun, how he got it. He got it illegally, figuring out where he got the gun and how he found it. And if is there a way we can prevent that from happening, right? Is that, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to uh, guess or, or draw conclusions on something I don't know, because uh, then I'll just sound like an idiot. And I, th- I think that is, you, know, you brought up the point about people who are, are championing gun control not being familiar with weapons. I think that's fair, right? I think that, like I mentioned terrorism earlier, it is not it is not good to just say we need to ban all guns. And I, I think most people probably wouldn't say that, that when they take a second, think about this, is, is their desired outcome. It is, um, it, but it, it, it seems like the people who are, in charge of legislation, both at the federal and local level, um, are less interested in solving and, and getting to the root of those problems and putting resources there, either at federal tax dollars or people power, um, promoting these ideas of, of individuals, like individual liberty, right? Like, hey, this is, if you want to reduce gun violence, here are steps you can take as an individual citizen to do that. Um, well, I mean, but what are those steps? You know what I mean? And that's where we're going to have issues, too, is like, is it going to be uh, a Democratic-led, you know, uh, proposition saying, here's going to re- reduce gun violence. Don't own a gun. Don't let your pe- your friends own guns. And then is it going to mm-hmm. be the opposite? If it's a Republican administration, is it going to be, you should, everyone should own a gun. You're like, your, <laughs> your, your four-year-old child should yeah. have a gun. I mean, and that's the problem when we, we start... And again, this just will go into a libertarian, uh, you know, rant. Is that this is the problem with, with federal government? Is that we have this this you know, flip flopping in parties that will always lead to basically whenever a political party comes into new power, whatever the old party was doing, they're going to take the administ- or the uh, the uh, various department, whether let's say it's the EPA, okay, they're going to take the EPA and basically do a complete 180 to then start doing things they want done. So all the quote unquote progress that whatever the previous administration did. They're, they're just going to go ahead and try to get rid of it because now it's going to fit whatever they're looking to do. So, I mean, that's one thing. But, I mean, I think you, you brought up another good point, and I don't know if you did it uh, inadvertently or, or what, but I think one of the big issues is, and I'm not saying this der- like in a disrespectful way, it's truly ignorance when it comes to guns. And I think a part of it is definitely due to the fact that a great number of people live in urban areas where it's illegal to own guns. Therefore, they've never had any experience with guns. I mean, I myself, so I, at my work, um, I, for my day job, uh, one of my coworkers is is from upstate New York as well, which is funny being here from in Philadelphia that one of my for, uh, upstate New York friends is down here now um, and working with me. But also, I have two other coworkers who, who work with us that, that are, you know, they were born and raised in the greater Philadelphia metro area. And when they hear us talking about, you know, shooting guns, just like going out and, and shooting guns, going target shooting, it, it's it's like we're, we're speaking a, a foreign language because they can't comprehend how we can just go out and shoot guns. And I, I, I genuinely think that the ignorance when it comes to not only how to shoot a gun, but the value in, in respecting a gun, in the value of, of you know treating the gun as, as, as it is a deadly weapon. I mean, I think that a lot of that gets lost on people who have never had experience with it. I mean, there is the, the entire gun show loophole myth, uh, you know, saying that we, they, they can just, you can go to a gun show, gun show and buy a gun right, right there from the person in an instant. That's, that's entirely false. Um, you, you have to go through a background check. Um, I mean, these are already laws that are in place, but we, we hear these, these narratives that are promoted from people who 
to be quite honest, they've never had to experience a, you know, a gun in real life. They've never had had to try to buy a gun in real life. I mean, it's hard. It's not the 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 narrative saying, well, it's easier to vote than it is to, sh to buy a gun. That's BS. It's not. I mean, I, I've been in the situation where I myself had considered buying a gun and I was like, well, my God, this is going to take forever. I, I'm not going to wait this long right now. I'll do it at a different time because I didn't have the time to wait that long um, because of, you know, various moves that was happening in my life. So, I think a lot of it does come down to just just ignorance about the, the the topic of guns, and I'm not saying that you're ignorant. I'm saying just the general populace they don't they don't know because they're not in areas that would would foster a relationship with learning about guns and respecting guns. But I, I think I think we we've kind of you know we've found where the difference comes with regards to the guns. Now I do want to we we did cover mental health and men, mental illness. The one part I did want to talk about, because I think we're going to come from this very different ways, was the uh, the guys mentality. Now it's not a it's not a secret that you no know, I would say almost 100% of all the 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 you know public sh shootings that we've had over the past you know let's say 20 30 years have been either you know a, it's a white guy or just a guy in general. Now I I think that that we're we're seeing this for a different reason, but I want to hear your reasoning, Paul. Why do you think it's it's men? Why do you think it's uh, white men? Why 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 is it that it's happening in this type of a manner with with these uh, you know, these demographics? Yeah, no, that's a great. Um, again, listen, I, I've not studied this. I'm not I'm not an expert on this. What I think, just being a white male myself. Um, issues of masculinity and again emotional literacy of being able to you know i think the the, the columbine shooters right uh brought up how they were ostracized bullied felt left out um I, again i never make an excuse for this right but um if you, you not even talking about guns just anger right rage hate all that stuff i think comes from um, a deep, and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll be a little vulnerable here, Brian, with your listeners. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can um, understand that that um, rage a little bit. I, I think it comes from also a place of sadness of of, uh, of exclusive communities where we're not interested in reaching out to people who are different, who are weird or unusual, um, and I think that is. Is, is definitely part of it. I think that, you know, if there's a narrow definition for what it means to be a male or to be part of society in general, right? Like, then you don't fit that mold. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to take some action, right? Is that what, maybe that's for most people withdrawing, it's defense mechanisms, other things that, that um, probably make it harder to be, you know, full uh, fledged member of society. But some people who, who want to take that, who, who don't have the coping skills, right? That's the mental health piece of understanding their, right. their self in place of, in, in the world of others. Um, see a gun, see a knife, see a, a, a tweet, right? Some way to enact revenge. Um, and so I think that a lot of it is, is coming from that. I think this is where we, you and I can agree a lot, right? That you're not going to pass a law that's going to make people be friends or love another one another. That is a very human, individual responsibility. And I think that if we are interested in building, in reducing the amount of, of death by violence, then we owe it. We need to commit to that of, of you know, not turning away 
from other people. So, all right. So, to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I definitely agree that, that um, you know, guys are part of the problem. And I'm not going to say it's because they're guys. I'm going to say because the role of, of guys has been so, it's been so, um, what's the word? I, I want to say it's been perverted, but it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been completely changed over the past, I dare say 20, 30 years of we, we've watched guys get out of this mindset that you're a protector. Like men are supposed, and, and I'm, this is going to, you know, probably piss off a lot of people who are more of the, the the civil libertarian, socially progressive crowd. Is that I firmly believe there are biological differences between men and women, and I'm sorry, that's just that's my fundamental belief. Because if you look at men, men back in the, the caveman era, there was a biological difference between men and women, where where women were the the people at home who were taking care of the the, the cave, if you will, and the men would go out and they would they would protect and provide for their families. They were they were the ones getting the food, and then they were protecting their family when they were home. And I think that, and this is gonna again, this is gonna come off as probably a little triggering to some people, but I think that the modern push to de masculinize men to the point that you're told that even though you are different that you're not supposed to be different that it's made a lot of guys not comfortable in their own identity because they don't know how to act and i think when you have these these television shows or these movies you know promoting these these macho men like you know arnold schwarzenegger and sylvester stallone doing a you know, a, a three-hour movie where they say, like, 14 lines of dialogue the entire movie, and that's it, and the rest of it is just them blowing crap up and, and ripping heads off, I think that that right there, they're like, okay, well, that's what these guys are doing. Why why aren't we seeing other men do that? And they, they get that that's a false sense of what it meant to be a man because the, the biological sense of being a man has been so... It's been so perverted and it's been so uh, twisted to, to fit a new... A, a new I guess a new era of what people want men to be. Um, this is like, I don't want to say this fairy book, but it's almost like this fairy tale, fairy book, um, you know, vision of what men should be. And I just think that that's really hurt men as a whole. I mean, men, yes, men want to protect. That's our biological drive is to protect our, 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 you know, significant others our to protect our family. Um, but at the same point in time to, to reach out to other men and, and be the, the protectors and to be able to have that conversation without feeling ashamed. And I think a lot of guys, they, they've felt, they felt awkward in trying to maintain that identity with a society that isn't necessarily embracing it anymore. That uh, is a very interesting point, Brian. And I think, you know, I think we are, are, are in disagreement. I, I wonder what the science is behind that idea of the, biological um imperative right i think i mean but let, let's let's be objective i mean look like it's it's been millennia of we've had an understanding that you know it was the the, the man in the relationship back like let's go to the most the most basic human element being out in the wilderness they have a cave the woman was the one who was staying home raising children uh you know taking care of the home the man was the one that the men were going out and they were because of their physical you know their physical their stature were the ones going out and trying to provide and then if the the need came to protect the family and we see 
you know, all these countless movies of that that's the situation that that men nowadays are still seeing but it's not being embraced in in modern society yeah well i think times change right i think i i think i am comfortable with women being in positions of power being the ones who are protecting who are are um you know i i i am not no here's let me I'm not that worried about it. I understand that other people are. I think that um I'm not worried about it. I'm I'm just saying I think I think we're not Here's the thing. We we both agree that there's an issue that it, it's guys doing this. And I think it it does have a lot to do with the mental health of guys. I think we might not necessarily agree on why that is. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not okay with women being able to be providers or protectors. I'm saying there's a difference between being supportive of, of women being providers and protectors versus that of condemning men for wanting to be a provider or protector. And that's, I think that's been a big, a big slap to, to men just based on their biological drives to be providers and protectors. It's not saying that women shouldn't it's, it's, it's the, the culture that we've had that it's saying that men, 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 they shouldn't. That could they, you, so, sorry, could you identify like one piece of culture that that is telling men that they're wrong for wanting to do that, um, or is it more like this con conceptual thing? As I don't feel like there is condemnation of men who want to do that. I feel like there is definitely condemnation of men who claim that they need to be the providers and that women should not be. So, which I, I think I, is, is slightly different. No, but I know it, we're also getting towards time and all that. Yeah, so I, I I am referring more to the the modern third wave wave feminism movement that it it's gotten to the point where instead of talking women up, it's gotten to the point of talking men down. And I mean, uh, there there's a lot of various sources that you can you know you can go ahead on and check out that that detail into you know the various speeches of uh, of noted feminists you know that basically are are trying to it, it's it's not. It's not just them talking up women. It, it will be this this um, you know almost double speak of saying yes, we're talking up women, uh, while also at the same point in time talking down men. And and I'll say this: there's a reason that these provocateurs like Milo Yiannopoulos, who I think he he you know he is hardly a, a great uh, beacon for masculinity and for civil discourse. But there's a reason that the likes of him or Gavin McGinnis from the, the Proud Boys um, or, or you name the, the provocateur male out there who is getting an audience because they're standing up and saying, you know, uh, you know, it's OK to be a man. And there's a reason that they have an audience because people are starting to listen to that and say, OK, well, I'm being told it's OK. I can be a man. And I'm being told that it's it's you know, it's not a thing to be ashamed of them. A man, I can still support women. And I'm not saying I, I, you know, fully embrace those cultures, but it's something that I think is is being ignored, and it might be something that we need to consider. Is that you know men aren't in this mindset of protecting, and like you 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 rightfully pointed out, there's this issue of their their feeling that they're in this exclusive, um, they're, they're being excluded from from various topics. They're kind of going to this tribal mindset uh, of trying to find like-minded people, which could very easily lead to you know people. Uh, coming up with nasty ways to get revenge, um, you know the, the emotional uh, stability that was being being challenged and, and making them reconsider things that's going against their biological nature. I think that that's something that at the very least needs to be acknowledged that 
it is happening and we're seeing a reaction. I mean, that's part of the reason Trump won is that people were getting so tired of like the culture war that, you know, they were tired of being told that you're wrong just because of who you are. You know what I mean? And like that, there's, there's a very real movement behind that. That's why Trump, partly why Trump won. What's the, what's the biological reason why men are providers? Because their physical, their physical being, they are more apt and able to provide for women and for their families. How, how so? Men, men are, men, men are biologically larger than women, both in terms of height and weight. Um, men have a much higher uh, muscle, muscular ratio to fat. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, without being rude and condescending, it's basic biology. I mean, men are naturally larger in stature. And that's just, I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, there's a reason why we have men and women's sports. I don't, I would, I would never want to watch Ronda Rousey as talented as she is in the cage with Conor McGregor for an MMA fight because it's not fair. I mean, he is a man who is stronger and bigger than her and would dominate her. I mean, that's just just biology, man. I I think the moment we started having tools uh, to, to hunt to, and then from hunter gatherers down to settled society, right? The, the, the closer we've gotten to, not that, the, the minute when you, you get away from that hunting woolly mammoth idea, um, that that theory doesn't hold any weight, especially the past 100, 200 years where... But, but it doesn't change providing... the biological, like the biological differences. That's, what I'm, no, that's no, my no, point. There's, there's biological differences, but then there's also societal promotion of an idea that perhaps millennia ago where that was the case where men were easy it was easier for men to provide by hunting but that's not the society we've been living in for hundreds of years and and that's that's not true i mean i mean there's a reason why up until what just just in the past few decades that women just started to to serve in the military i mean there's a reason that um, you know, men were some of the key providers in society when it was the, the, the physical laboring jobs out in the fields. I mean, and they were the ones like making the laws that didn't let women like vote and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I, no, I, I agree. I, but no, no, that, that, those are two separate things. That's the thing is that we're talking about a, a physical biological difference that exists between men and women just, just because. And I think if we if we're going to look at the gun control or the, I'm sorry the, the the gun issue in America and, and the more more prevalently the the shooting issues that we've had in America that have been predominantly performed by males that if we're going to talk about men being a quote unquote problem then let's talk about men and what has changed in the past 30 years i mean women have been voting since 1917 that didn't that wasn't like something that destroyed men's egos to the point they started committing mass shootings. It's something that's happened within the past 20 to 30 years that has either A, made men to the point that they are, as you said, were, were losing their emotional stability. They were feeling that there's something wrong with their, their masculinity, that they're going to these exclusive tribal kind of communities and they're they're you know doing this, this collective groupthink mentality. Or B, it's something societal. I mean, there's something that's happened in the past 20 or 30 years that has made us so numb to or in, and desensitized to these these graphic acts of violence that it, it doesn't phase us anymore. 
Yeah, but I think we're not going back, right? I mean, like women are not going to be not in the military anymore, right? And I'm so, not saying and so that though. Like Milan, but that's the thing. That, that, no, that, no, no, no. I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. But like the the Milo's of the world, the 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 the, the Cretans who are promoting this, it's good to be a man. Instead of saying, "Hey, listen, we are in a more diverse society. There are more people of different skin tones in this country now." That is just that is how things are going to be. Here is here is you still have a place in this society, and it is one in which we can work together and and continue to have happy, successful, joyous life uh, lives together. Right? Like it. I agree. Peddling, I agree. You know, the, That's yeah. the thing. So I, think, I agree with you, but the problem yeah. is, is that on the flip side, that hasn't been the same message. It's been a message of of taking down others in order to raise others up i i think that I, that's i mean and paul I'm, with all due respect that's why trump won i mean we we've watched this yeah culture because war. He, he, he he gave he gave these people lies and 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 falsehoods about we're gonna we're gonna be great again you're gonna you're we're not gonna we're gonna build a wall to keep all those Mexicans out of here. That's a right part here. of it, but that's not the that's it, not the the core tenet of, of of Trumpism. And I mean, I think and trust me, I did not vote for Trump. I'm and, not a big fan of him. Yeah, no, no. Anything that Trump is not thoughtful and insightful, um, and and to like he is not capturing some. No, he's tapping into again rage and and a, and a sense of. Um, yes, he's war. tapping into rage. He's tapping tapping I, into rage that exists. I don't. I don't know who. I don't know who these the, the 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 people are who you would say are putting down other people if if they're third wave feminist academics like that is not on the tip of the t tongue of the average person it is more that I think the diversification of America the sense of economic um you know dead ends and hey this is not the country I was living in and instead of realizing, oh, everything changes, life is about mutability, I'm never going to have what I had in the 1970s when I was growing up, this is a different world, and having people that you can talk to about that um, and who support that, uh, you've, got, you've got scumbags like Donald Trump who say, no, we are going to have that world again, which is just not, not true. And I think the more that we all stand alongside each other, I, you know, this is easy to say and harder to put into practice, but that's why I love national service. I think that bringing together diverse groups of people on a common goal, you see yourself having a purpose and um, you get to meet people who are different than you so that you realize, oh, that the, the people that I've been told to fear by people like Donald Trump um, are also like me in a lot more ways than we are different. And I still have a place in society, and I still matter fundamentally. And and I think that you know, to be true, tr Brian, Brian, like I am not always good about that. Um, and so you know, I think you, it is it is again up to each of us to step up and and stop promoting uh, that any kind of isolation in any way, um, because otherwise you're right. Like people are just going to continue to feel isolated, and they're going to lash out by voting for people who don't actually give a crap about them, like Donald Trump, uh, or they're going to pick up a gun, or they're going to just uh, do other things that are, are, are not actually going to make things better. It'll just feel good for a minute and, and cause 
pretty severe damage. But so let me um, <laughs> I don't know, and let me really quick because yeah, no, 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 you and, and, yeah, and let me really quick because you, you you mentioned like you're not sure where some of this this like quote unquote like man hating is coming from. Now it, now part of it it's not an explicit like you know we we hate men. It's it's kind of it's it's very much in the same vein of the things that Trump like the, the dog whistling. And, mm -hmm. and it's it's a much more subtle thing that people get tired of. So I'll give you an example. Um, first, there was an article out that was, I think it was from USA Today. Um, I can't find the direct article, but I know it was, it, there's a uh, political commentator from Fox News named Stephen Miller. Uh, not Stephen Miller from Trump's White House. And basically, it was uh, him saying, we're really doing this, aren't we? And it was in response to an article that was published basically saying, um, do male dogs win more than female dogs at dog shows? And and it just it it went into a completely ridiculous you know uh, you know the judges are more in favor of the male dogs or the female dogs and and like it was just it was an insane article to have even published in 2018 I mean not really for 2018 but it's like why why are we trying to make an issue about a dog winning a dog show I mean I get I get the the argument for for equality but it's it's a dog show so it makes it it. It's this dog, no pun intended. It's a dog whistle to a lot of, um, to a lot of uh, people who are like, okay, well, this is an argument saying that men, dogs, even men, dogs are favored over women, dogs. There's another article that came out, and it was it was from Bloomberg View, and it was published in a Twitter moment. And it was quoted saying, "Why is Uber paying women less for doing the same job for Uber?" And it said, "Uber's trying to defeat the gender pay gap by relying on an algorithm that has no idea whether drivers are men, or women." But there are some fundamental flaws. Okay, so first, the entire algorithm that they're using is completely gender uh, ignorant. It has no idea what the gender of their driver is. But it turns out that um, according to the company's gender-blind algorithm, men still earned about 7% more than women. So people instantly were like, well, that's got to be some form of sexism against women. But when you look at the reason is because the the formula that they use for the algorithm was that it favors the time in which you were able to bring your person from one destination to the other so they instantly said that that must be due to the fact that because men are driving faster and because that's just a male trait that it's somehow discriminatory towards women instead of men men are just that's just a man brain that men go faster that's just how it is that that is somehow a discriminatory act against women even though that the algorithm is completely neutral then there's the other part that men were logging more time under their belts which means that they were having a better sense of time in terms of knowing where they are and like if they let's say it's philadelphia where i live if you were driving as an uber driver throughout the city because male male drivers are driving for uber out of choice because i think the number was like 70 i think it was is 1.4 million men to 512,000 women uber drivers so men are driving more and they're learning more shortcuts in the cities therefore that was also discriminatory against women per this this article saying that men are now you know earning more money because the women drivers don't know the cities as well and then um the fact that there was more men drivers just in general was a part of the, the problem so i mean that's that's just one it that like right there if i could show you an article that it wasn't intended to be discriminatory against men it wasn't meant to bring men down but it did because it's attacking men for being biologically different being being you know faster in terms of just how they they were operating through a completely gender neutral algorithm 
and yet they were still being called that their Uber was still being called sexist, which in terms means that men are being told that something's wrong about them doing this through an entirely gender neutral uh, platform. So that's that's the larger point. Now that can that that can kind of go into its own little diatribe down the road, and and you know we can go through various articles that are very similar in nature. But that's where a lot of this sentiment comes from. And I, I, I'm not saying you have to agree, and I'm not saying that I want you to agree, but I just want you to be aware. That's where a lot of the guys are saying, like, all right, so I'm getting called a sexist because or I'm being told I have an unfair advantage against women from a, a gender-neutral app that I can't control. I'm just doing my job. I'm literally sitting in a car and driving people to their destinations, and we're making it an issue about sex. Do you see? Do you see what I'm trying to bring up for a point there? Yeah, I think I think I hear that article and I'm and I do not feel attacked. I also who cares? Who cares? I I I, I But I, a lot I, of people do. That's the thing is that a lot of people share that article as it, as a means to say, "See, women are still oppressed because we're not being paid equal as Uber drivers." And when you dig into the article, you say, "Well, it's because there's a fundamental biological difference between a man and a woman that a man is and this is just this is uh, societal differences. And I mean, Jordan Peterson, who's a phenomenal psychologist, um, he's talked about this as well. Is that men have been shown that they are willing to work longer hours than women, which would reflect in this. That's just a, a societal difference, and because women are more focused and rightfully so on things like within the home, raising families, which is a choice. And it, honestly, it's a good choice. I think I would much rather be at home with my family. But with that being said. You have men now who are being criticized because they are driving more, therefore they're learning the roads better, and then it's impacting their speed, so they're actually having more money being paid to them versus a woman, which then also now it's their fault because they're being paid more a woman. So like that article is taken by a third wave feminist or by a quote unquote gender equality or equal pay person to. In, in a roundabout way, basically, while propping up women's equal rights, taking down men because they are at a quote-unquote comparative advantage through a, a gender-neutral app. That's the thing. I know you're saying you don't feel attacked, but it's important. I think this is one thing. This is why... Okay. <laughs> now I'm, I'm just kind of sitting on my soapbox. This is why I started this show. And it, this started back, actually, uh, in 2017... I started the Around the uh, Around the Republic podcast back when I was doing this for the Libertarian Republic, and my original podcast was trying to find uh, a way that we can come together in an era of Trump, because I think if if we aren't going to learn how we got President Trump, I don't care if you support him or not. There's a reason that Donald Trump got elected president, it's, and there's a variety of reasons, and we need to look at them all with a lens of clarity without bias. And I will sit there and I will acknowledge 100% that there are people who voted for Donald Trump because they're racist. There are people who voted for Donald Trump because they wanted to build a wall. There are people who, who voted for Donald Trump because they don't want illegal immigrants. There are people who voted for Donald Trump because they don't like black people, and, and I will 100%, I will stand there and I'll say that there are people who did that. But there are also a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump because they looked at him as a means to stand up for a certain culture that has been shunned over the past eight years under Barack Obama. Rightfully so or not, there, there are people who feel this way just as during the eight years under Bush, there was an entire subset of people who felt a certain way that were being uh, underrepresented that led to Obama being elected. So I, if we're not going to talk to each other 
and we're not going to hear the different sides. We're not. We're going to get keep. What's the the definition of insanity? It's like doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If we're going to keep doing the same thing, I mean, in eight years or in four years, we could have. I mean, a Bernie Sanders president, which would be it better be four, Brian. It better be four. <laughs> but I mean, we're we're going to have a completely polar opposite president who could be, you know. A, a devout democratic socialist and Bernie Sanders. I mean, hell, if, if we keep going that way, the next person we could have could be somebody like Richard Spencer. I mean, it, it's it's this political pendulum. Now, this is going to my, my political science, and we've gone over the hour, and I really don't care. Um, <laughs> we, this is my political science self uh, talking now, and I'm sorry I'm kind of taking my soapbox, Paul, but the, the political pendulum swings one way and then the other way. And, and in more recent years, because what it used to do was when it would swing – it would always swing back pretty much the exact same spot when every time it go back and forth from left to right. But now all of a sudden we've seen the pendulum start to swing further and further each time it starts to swing. So now, you know, in in Obama years, it swung it swung pretty far to the left. And then in Trump years, it's swinging pretty far back to the right. So the next logical step is going to be it's going to swing even further back to the left, which will then lead to an even further back to the right. And a lot of that's because we're not listening and we're becoming more and more divided. And that's actually, there's a political, uh, there's political data out there that's available to show the, the, the differences in polarization from American voters and how it's, it's been so torn apart and we're so divided because we get in these little tribal camps and we say, you're wrong, I'm right, and what you're saying is, is going to hurt my group, so I'm not going to vote for you no matter what. Even though there's probably like, you know, let's say 20% of the things we can agree on, that we, can, we can say, okay, we can try to fix that. And I just, I, I'm terrified to see what the next 20 years will bring if we don't get out of these these bubbles and actually start talking to each other, which is, I'm so glad that you came on the show, even though I just spent the past like five minutes just ranting because it just, oh, it drives me nuts. Like I want to see people get out and talk to each other. I mean, I, I live in a very urban area in, in Philadelphia, and there are people I'm speaking to that if I had stayed where I would I grew up, I would never talk to them in my life, ever, because that's just not the people from where I'm from. And it's so valuable because I get to see a different perspective and a different way of life. And, and I mean, going to college, even though I think there's a lot of issues with people going to college, especially recently, I mean, it... Paul, it brought you into my life to be able to have a conversation about, you know, gun control and, and you know, shootings in America from two completely different perspectives. But we can end the, the conversation with, you know, shaking hands and saying, hey, I get where you're coming from. I don't necessarily have to agree with it, but now I understand where you're coming from. And now when, I, when I'm, you know, having conversation in the future, I know what your position and what people in your your like-mindedness, where you're all coming from. So I can at least try to have a conversation and not, you know, uh, go into Twitter and and try to, to basically talk into my own echo chamber of people who are like-minded. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry it's why I'm that rant. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> that's good, how no, I you're feel. Good. You're good. You're good. No, I think, listen, I... Uh... I just doodled, like, like literally, like, 40 different things. Because I, when, I, <laughs> when I get in, like, these little, these little tirades, I just draw. And I yeah. literally have, like, four pages now of, of these, like, little drawings. That I don't even know what they are. They're just, like, little houses and shit. Art and art, Brian. You can I could sell that to the Philadelphia Art Museum, it. and I would I would be put in my own little section. Brian's Brian's rambling art. Yeah, yeah. That... <laughs> Sorry, you're you're up now. Listen, no, I think I I uh, I agree. We uh, and again, this maybe another time why I think 
AmeriCorps should be fully funded at the federal level. Mm, mm, mm. National service, it brings people together, gives them a chance to have those kinds of conversations, to learn, to get outside of your uh, your chamber. Um, because yeah, no, it, it it's it. We're not we're not going to get that. I mean, Brian, here's the thing. I know I'm right 100 percent, and you're all the way. But no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I this I, I think this is this is it is good to talk this stuff through. I do, I do disagree with you still on some things, but I think that we have a lot more common, especially on something like this, which is critical, right? If we're going to build a better community, a better world where there are less people who are dying unnecessarily, we're only going to do that when we work together on it. And it, even if we we don't agree on all the steps, there are definitely some things we can do building more inclusive communities um, and, you know, increasing access to, to mental health support so that people can work through this stuff instead of picking up a gun because picking up a gun or firing off a tweet is neither of those things are probably going to make things better. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm grateful for this. Um, and I, I hope your listeners uh, enjoyed it as well. You know, it's, it's what's really good, and this made my my heart happy, is that the art or the uh, episode um, where where you and and Derek LeBaron came on to discuss climate change from from two very different perspectives, and then the next episode after you was um, an episode with a gentleman named John John Pierre Maley and uh, one of my friends Brendan Noble discussing intellectual intellectualism within the uh, the conservative movement, focusing on Ben Shapiro. And in two of those episodes back to back where we had people who disagreed fundamentally on issues um, were two of the highest listened to episodes. And that makes my heart soar with the eagle's nest, to quote Michael Scott. <laughs> Hero to all. Uh, because <laughs> at the end of the day, that is the goal of this show. I want people to talk to each other. I want people to, to start at the very least speaking to one another past the the political partisan talking points i i just I, to know that those episodes and hopefully this episode um will will bring people from different different weight means of thinking together to to try and find some common ground i it just it makes my heart happy so um with that being said paul thank you so much for uh, for joining me again today do you have any uh, last final quick thoughts uh, to conclude the episode, uh, no, I just I, I, again, this is this is a this is not going to be solved this year, but we 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 do have to start working on solutions in multiple areas. So, um, looking forward to to doing that together. Good stuff. And uh, they can find you where Fancy Riley. Is that right? Fancy New Riley. Like fancy, fancy new. Fancy new Beasley. Riley. <laughs> Fancy New Riley. And, uh, folks, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Facebook uh, and Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. Um, and also, please, please, please feel free to subscribe to the uh, the Patreon at B Nichols Liberty. Because, remember, every little bit helps. You help us. Um, you keep producing all this great content, um, all these great conversations. Uh, and also, the way you can help the show, please share today's podcast with your friends and family uh, to really help us the, uh, to promote this message of, it, from my perspective, liberty, but also from the overall 
Our theme is to educate, enlighten, and inform, and, and damn it, I think we did that today. Um, this is pro I'm going to say right now, this is probably the best episode we've done. I'm, I'm jacked up, Paul. I'm so glad you were able to come on. Um, and then, oh yes, finally, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, you know, those reviews, the higher we get reviews, the higher up we go in the ratings. Um, but yes, follow me on Twitter, B. Nichols Liberty, Facebook, B. Nichols Liberty, Patreon, B. Nichols Liberty, Paul Riley. Thank you for joining me, sir. It was a blast. My pleasure. All right. Until next week, folks. Thanks so much. We will see you then.